Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, October 14th, 2022, the 632nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. You'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the show for free on a variety of platforms. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. So yesterday was the final episode of the January 6th television show and Twitter immediately erupted with all of their new findings, their new narratives. They were passing around the new slogans like they were the greatest slogans anyone has ever read. You had people who call themselves conservatives Quoting Liz Cheney, talking about what a hero she was. Oh, she's going to be the leader of the new movement. And you had communists across the board talking about how Nancy Pelosi is a hero. She was basically the president that day. 
the only one who could be trusted because, you know, Trump and Pence, those MAGA people, they were trying to overthrow democracy. And so they basically abandoned the line of succession. Donald Trump was no longer president that day and Mike Pence was no longer vice president. It fell to Nancy Pelosi to conduct the business of the country and do things like call in our armed forces into Washington. So brave. So very, very brave. They showed never before seen footage. And by never before seen, they mean on the mainstream media. We've all seen plenty of footage to know what was happening that day. Who hasn't? People who watch mainstream media. They've had the same idea about January 6th, 2021 that they had on January 6th, 2021. They have not learned a thing that has swayed any of their positions at all. Every new bit of information reinforces the old information. And of course it does, because the people giving that information to them are the people who have had that information the whole time and not given it to them. In fact, they have control over all the information. And even with that control, more than enough information has come out to completely dismiss each and every narrative they've put up this entire time. So we'll talk a little bit more about Nancy Pelosi being a hero in just a second. But they also now believe that they have caught the Secret Service. Now, the Secret Service needs to be investigated. And of course, the Secret Service needs to be investigated. They need to investigate the Secret Service so they can get all the information that they think will finally prove that Donald Trump did something very bad. And that's all they want. They don't want to know what else was going on behind the scenes. They don't want to know why nothing around them seems to be working the way they thought it would. They just want to make sure that they can hold everyone accountable for their crimes in the very violent insurrection. So here we go. This is from The Hill yesterday in the afternoon. Secret Service messages show they knew crowd outside January 6th rally was armed. The House committee investigating the January 6th, 2021 riot at the Capitol on Thursday publicized freshly obtained communications from the Secret Service showing agents were aware of concerns about violence leading up to that day and that agents knew some in the crowd were armed. Representative Adam Schiff said the committee obtained nearly one million emails, recordings and other electronic records from the Secret Service. The documents we obtained from the Secret Service make clear that the crowd outside the magnetometers was armed and the agents knew it, Schiff said. Well, let's pause for a second. Everybody knew that there were going to be a lot of people at the Capitol on January 6th. Absolutely everybody knew that. And it was a public understanding that there was a concern of violence. Now, whether that public understanding was justified or not, it was still publicly understood. So that part of this is absolutely no surprise at all. Now, the Secret Service talking about whether or not people were armed might potentially be a big deal if people were armed and people had done something with their arms, but they didn't. And that's why there were absolutely no firearms confiscated that day. Now, the Capitol Police did shoot a woman, Ashley Babbitt, and they also beat down Trump protesters outside and trampled at least one. 
They said she died from an Adderall overdose. But the video says otherwise, not that anyone watching the January 6th committee hearings would ever see any of that. But the Secret Service knew, and they were just doing Trump's bidding. Schiff read off several messages in chats among Secret Service agents and emails exchanged among members. He displayed one intelligence summary from late December 2020 that included online chatter about occupying federal buildings and, quote, intimidating Congress and invading the Capitol building. And you can always trust Adam Schiff to bring the real thing. I mean, sure, he and Friar Cuck, Jamie Raskin, got absolutely caught in the second impeachment hoax, doctoring the text messages that they were using as evidence. And sure, Adam Schiff made up an entire fake transcript of Donald Trump's phone call with Volodymyr Zelensky. But Adam Schiff can definitely be trusted to bring the goods when it's all on national television. No, no. Both of those impeachments were also on national television. And Adam Schiff just made up the evidence and lied to the entire American public, as he did almost every night he's ever been on cable news shows, telling everybody that the walls are closing in on Donald Trump once again. A Secret Service email dated December 26th showed the agency had a tip that the Proud Boys, a far right group, planned to march on the Capitol and felt they had a large enough group to overwhelm law enforcement. Well, that's interesting because Enrique Tario is the leader of the Proud Boys. He is also a federal informant, and he was also arrested the day before January 6th. Whatever happened to all of that? Secret Service had advanced information more than 10 days beforehand regarding the Proud Boys planning for January 6th, Schiff said. We know now, of course, that the Proud Boys and others did lead the assault on our Capitol building. Okay. A January 5th, 2021 email from a deputy Secret Service chief instructed agents to add certain objects to a list of items that supporters could not bring into a rally on the ellipse near the White House planned for January 6th including ballistic vests, tactical vests, and ballistic helmets. And that's just being responsible, isn't it? Calm before the storm, I assume, one agent wrote in a group chat the morning of January 6th, 2021. Ooh, what does calm before the storm mean? Why is that so intimidating? Schiff said the panel in August started reviewing hundreds of thousands of pages and multiple hours of that material. He said the materials provided substantial new evidence about what happened on January 6th and the days leading up to do, I guess. I don't know what that means. The review continues, he added. <laughs> the committee issued the Secret Service a subpoena in July after the panel and agency became involved in controversy. News broke that some text messages sent by Secret Service on agents January 6th had been deleted. Man, this is a really poorly written article. I mean, it is The Hill, so what can you expect? But good Lord, like someone go through and proofread this. And there's more. This is from CNBC today. January 6th, Capitol Riot Probe obtained records showing multiple calls between Secret Service and Oath Keepers, NBC News reports. The January 6th Capitol Riot Investigative Committee has obtained records 
showing that a member of the Secret Service's Protective Intelligence Division had multiple phone calls in 2020 with members of the Oath Keepers, a far-right militia group, NBC News reported Friday. The House Select Committee recently contacted the Secret Service, asking for records of all contacts between the agency, which is responsible for protecting the president, and Oath Keepers, NBC reported. Sources said records showed that the Secret Service employee had contact with Oath Keeper members, other than the group's leader, Stuart Rhodes, who is currently on trial for seditious conspiracy in connection with the January 6th, 2021 riot at the Capitol. Rhodes and his co-defendants are accused of plotting to stop the lawful transfer of power from former President Donald Trump to President Joe Biden. The committee's request to the Secret Service was spurred by recent testimony at Rhodes' trial by the former leader of the North Carolina Oath Keepers, John Zimmerman. Zimmerman described seeing Rhodes speaking on the telephone with a person who Zimmerman believed to be a Secret Service agent about what weapons group members could carry at an upcoming rally by Trump in September 2020. Ooh, sounds very guilty. NBC reported that the records obtained by the committee show that the Oath Keepers calls with Secret Service employee ended before a December 12th, 2020 rally. Two Secret Service officials have said that the Oath Keepers made numerous calls directly to an agent after obtaining their number. Oh, those dastardly Oath Keepers. Secret Service spokesperson Anthony Guglielmi told NBC that members of the Oath Keepers reached out concerning logistics about demonstration areas and rules for attending presidential events. This is common activity between organized groups and advance agents, Guglielmi said. Frank Filiuzzi, a former assistant FBI director who is currently NBC's national security analyst, told the news outlet that while it is common for law enforcement to speak with a protest group or a group acting as security for an event, regular contact with a militia group such as the Oath Keepers raises concerns. So it's totally normal and it's what they do to make sure that the events run well and safely. But also, it's damning information that proves Trump led the insurrection. Now, let's get on to old President Nancy. Here's old Nancy professing the sort of rage that would make militant feminists and other communists on Twitter so excited. They see it and they're like, ooh, that's me right now. It's so me. Hashtag vibes. Hashtag squad. Hashtag violence is the only way. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. I would come to him and punch him out. I would pay to see that. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. Nancy Pelosi is going to punch out the president of the United States. And this to leftists is heroic. The funny thing about this entire period is that we get to see these people again and again doing each and every single thing that they said Trump was the most evil person to ever exist for doing. Even when Trump didn't actually do those things, they were mad. But when they do them, it's just fine. They have kept the narrative going for nearly 20 months now. 
that the protesters wanted to hang Mike Pence because someone brought a little mini gallows to the Capitol. That is one of their biggest things. One person did one thing. We don't know anything about the person. We don't know why he did what he did. Certainly could have never hung anyone with his little makeshift gallows replica. But that right there means that Trump supporters were so mad and wanted to cause an insurrection so hard that they were trying to kill Mike Pence. That's what we've been told for a very, very long time. One person, but it applies to everybody. Now you have the sitting but illegitimate Speaker of the House saying that she wants to punch the president multiple times from the safety of an office with a documentary film crew led by her daughter. So January 6th, with all the danger, was not quite dangerous enough to prevent Nancy Pelosi from having take your daughter to work day. And I'm going to share some more of this footage. Obviously, we're in an audio format. The video is widely available online. I'll be sure to put it up in the info stream, t.me slash I'm your moderator. But most of this is filmed by a documentary film crew led by her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, who is a documentary filmmaker. They are literally filming a documentary of the event the whole time. They planned to film a documentary of the event the whole time. And we are supposed to believe that all of this stuff that they got on film was just happening naturally. Now, I discussed at length in the series I wrote a story about reality, how what we're seeing on the news isn't actually representative of reality in really any important way. It is a reality television show meant to keep viewers tuned in all the time, having emotional reactions all the time, getting invested in characters, getting invested in the storyline, and then acting a certain way in the world to express their allegiance to the characters in the reality television show. And I'm sorry if you're a fan of reality television, but reality television isn't real. They don't just turn the cameras on and let the people act naturally. They set up scenes. They set up shots. They know what the conversations are going to be about. And then at some point, the actors in the reality television show just kind of wing it and say what they're going to say and try to have their own emotions. And I'm saying this as someone who knows a whole bunch of reality TV stars. It's just not real. It's not real at all. And the funny thing is that on some level, at least these communists know that when they're watching this footage, they know it's not real. They know it is filmed by a documentary film crew led by Nancy Pelosi's daughter, but they don't care because it's saying all the things they want it to say. And there's no cross-examination. There's no one there to say, well, that's not how that went down. And we actually have a real timeline of events and a real record of communications that can prove all of that. Doesn't matter at all. It's now on the television and they could never show us all this stuff if it wasn't true. They're not allowed to do that. That's against the rules. 
part of our understanding of how all of this works is that the news and documentaries are all totally true every single time. There's no way to deny them. Once something is a documentary or it's on the news, it's just true. So Nancy Pelosi was in grave danger, her life under threat the entire time. And of course, everyone knew there would be violence that day, right? That is what we were told. But she still invited her daughter and a film crew down and exposed them to the exact same imminent danger that Nancy Pelosi was in. Let's get into more of the video. This was actually posted on Twitter yesterday by the January 6th committee. They have their own verified account. This previously unseen footage shows congressional leaders, both Republicans and Democrats, as they were taken to a secure location during the January riot. Everyone involved was actively working to address the violence. All of them did what President Trump refused to do. So they were taken to a secure location for their safety with the documentary film crew. And from that secure location, Nancy Pelosi conducted the business of the government and national security business at that while her daughter filmed her. She had a call with the secretary of defense, Christopher Miller, while her daughter filmed her. And of course, the rest of her daughter's film crew just hung out. They wanted to make sure they could all get the shot, have their boom mics in the right place. You know, you got to get good sound, got to get good picture, got to make sure the lighting's good, but not too good because you want to keep that, that real gritty documentary vibe, like everything's just happening right now. And so they cut back and forth in this video between the very, very violent insurrection and what was happening inside where everyone is keeping a a calm and cool head, just acting responsibly as leaders of the government. And one last note before we start, you just heard Nancy Pelosi talking about how Donald Trump would be trespassing on Capitol grounds. You see, that whole area, that's Nancy's area. Nancy Pelosi is the single most responsible person for the security of the U.S. Capitol. That is part of her job. And she's pointing out that Donald Trump is just not allowed there. The president of the United States is not allowed on Capitol grounds without trespassing, according to Nancy Pelosi. Does that shift your perspective of what you think you know about the Capitol grounds? She makes it sound like it's occupied foreign territory or something. We're starting to get surrounded. They're taking the uh, north front scaffolding. Unless we get more munitions, we are not going to be able to hold. The door has been breached and people are gaining access into the Capitol. The door has been breached and they're gaining access into the Capitol. Well, who breached that door? There's actually plenty of video evidence and witness testimony about who breached that door. And it wasn't just a bunch of peaceful Americans there to voice their belief, their knowledge that the 2020 election was stolen. It wasn't them at all. But did the January 6th committee say that? Of course not. You heard them say they've taken the North Front scaffolding. And while that plays, there are about 50 or 60 officers just standing there doing nothing while people are on a scaffolding. 
We're surrounded. We're surrounded. Well, you wouldn't have been surrounded if there were 10 or 20,000 National Guard troops as Donald Trump offered and you had actually closed down the perimeter of the Capitol instead of opening the stanchions so and the bike rack so that anyone could come in. And the other strange thing is that there's also ample video of the doors being opened. The doors are locked from the inside. The doors cannot be opened unless someone pushes the button to open them and that someone would be part of the Capitol Police. So the doors were actually opened and people were ushered inside and allowed to walk through. And then many of those people who went to the Capitol peacefully stayed between the velvet ropes inside the Capitol taking selfies. But did the January 6th committee show that? Of course not. We have got to finish the proceedings or else they will have a complete victory, she says during a walk and talk that her daughter's film crew is filming. And then the crowd chants, USA, USA, USA. How could they not be saying Slava Ukraini? Senator Schumer is at a secure location and they're locked down in the Senate. There has to be some way we can maintain the sense that people have that there's uh, some security or some confidence uh, that government can function and that we can elect the President of the United States. Did we go back into session? We did go back into session, but now apparently everybody on the floor is putting on tear gas masks to prepare for a breach. Well, I'm trying to get more information. They're putting on their tear gas masks. So Chuck Schumer's already been whisked off to a secure location. They're going back in session, or are they? Oh, it's not safe enough in there. We can't go back into session, even though I just said that we have to get back in session or else they'll win completely. We need an area for the house members. They're all walking over now through the tunnels. I'm going to call up the effing secretary of DOD. We have some senators who are still in their hideaways. They need massive personnel now. Can you get the Maryland National Guard to come too? I have something to say, Mr. Secretary. Well, I'm going to call the, the mayor of Washington, D.C. right now and see what uh, other outreach she has to other police departments, as Senator Hoyer has mentioned. I'm going to call the effing secretary of DOD, says Chuck. We need massive personnel now. I'm going to call the National Guard of Maryland. And then Nancy's like, well, I'm going to call the uh, the Washington, D.C. mayor and see if we can get more police over here. Hey, Nancy, why didn't you do that a few days ago? Why didn't the mayor of D.C. do that a few days earlier? And why did both of them turn down the 10 to 20,000 troops that Donald Trump offered to bring in to protect the Capitol on January 6th? Why did both of you do that? Oh, yeah, it was for, quote unquote, optics. 
Hi, Governor. Uh, this is Nancy. Uh, Governor, I don't know if you had been approached about the uh, Virginia National Guard. Mr. Hoyer was connect, uh, speaking to uh, uh, Governor Hogan, uh, but I still think you probably need the okay of the, uh, the federal government in order to come into another jurisdiction. Thank you. Oh my gosh, they're just breaking windows, they're doing all, all kinds of, it's really that somebody, they said somebody was shot, it's just, it's just horrendous, and all at the instigation of the President of the United States. Okay, thank you, Governor, I appreciate what you're doing, and if you don't mind, I'd like to stay in touch, thank you. Thank you, bye-bye. Virginia Guard has been called in. You know, I'm just talking to Governor Northam, and what he said is, they sent 200 uh, state police and a unit of the National Guard. They're breaking windows and going in, uh, uh, obviously ransacking our offices and all the rest of that. That's nothing. The, uh, the concern we have about uh, personal harm, safety. personal safety is it just transcends everything. But the fact is on any given day, they're breaking the law in many different ways. And quite frankly, much of it at the instigation of the President of the United States. And now, uh, if, if he could, could at least uh, somebody. Yeah, why don't you get the President to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General, in your law enforcement responsibility. A public statement, they should all leave. So Nancy Pelosi is on the phone with... Democrat communist governor of Virginia at the time, Ralph Northam. You might remember Ralph Northam because he was in a picture with blackface for Halloween next to a man in a Klan costume. Or he was the man in the Klan costume next to a man in blackface. He doesn't remember which. He's also the governor who made it clear on a radio talk show that he supports abortion up to the moment of birth and potentially after. That's Ralph Northam on video, not making it up. It's just the way it is. And she was talking to Republican communist governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan. And then she was speaking to the acting attorney general at the time, Jeffrey Rosen. And she made sure to mention over and over and over again that it's all at the instigation of the president of the United States. It's his instigation. He instigated this. Everybody knows that Donald Trump instigated all of this. And now we're going to fix it, even though we could have fixed it days earlier by simply allowing Donald Trump to send the National Guard in to protect the Capitol as he offered. USA! USA! This cannot be just we're waiting for so-and-so. We need them there now, whoever you got. You okay? have, You also have troops. This is Stunning Hoyer. Troops. Okay. So we have a Fort little bit of time Dare, to make that decision. Andrews Air Force Base. All right. Other military bases. Thank you. We Thanks, need Paul. active Bye. duty National Guard. How soon in the future can you have the place evacuated, cleaned out? I don't want to speak for the leadership that's going to be on this well, just pretend, just pretend for a moment that was the Pentagon or the White House or some other entity that was under siege. And let me say, you can logistically get people there as you make the plan. 
So you basically have a who's who of Congress and Senate corruption crowded around a phone begging the secretary of defense to send troops in that they had already denied a few days earlier. And Steve Scalise, who's part of the Republican leadership, was in there as well, listening along, heavily masked. And I imagine that at some point we'll hear more from Steve Scalise about all this or perhaps just find out more. But Nancy and Chuck and Steny and Mitch all agree that what we need right now is the most troops possible. Send them from anywhere. We're going to make a bunch of suggestions, but you got to send the troops right now. You got to tell Trump to tell everybody to go home, except Trump already did that. He put out a statement on Twitter asking people to go home. He said, we love you all very much, but don't be violent. Go home peacefully. And what happened? Twitter and Facebook took that video down so that no one would see it. They wanted to make sure that no one saw Trump asking the protesters to go home because it was too early for the protesters to go home. They needed to keep them there so that they could enhance the spectacle that they had already planned. They didn't want to have Alexandra Pelosi's documentary ruined. We're trying to figure out how we can get this job done today. We talked to Mitch about it earlier. He, uh, he's not in the room right now, but he was with us earlier uh, and said, you know, we want to expedite this and hopefully they could confine it to just one complaint, Arizona, and then we could vote and, and that would be, you know, then just move forward with the rest of the state. The overriding wish is to do it at the Capitol. What we are being told very directly is it's going to take days for the Capitol to be okay again. So the January 6th committee presents to the public video that shows Nancy Pelosi trying to negotiate away the legally prescribed process for dealing with objections to the electoral votes. There were going to be objections to, I believe, six states. And the debate on each objection would last two hours in both houses, in the Congress and in the Senate. And more than anything else from that day, if you recall, Nancy Pelosi and her allies, the people who were more than happy to see the fraudulent election be confirmed and see Joe Biden installed as the illegitimate president, the last thing they wanted was for the country to all be watching television at the same time while those objections were heard. Nancy Pelosi said right there, oh, they're telling us it's going to be days before we can get back into the Capitol. So we're going to just have to shorten the schedule. We're only going to do Arizona. It'll be two hours of debate total. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to hear any of the other objections. And it turns out also that we actually will be able to get back into the Capitol in just a few hours. And then we're going to go through this whole objection process in the middle of the night while no one's watching. And that's exactly what happened. She is negotiating with the vice president of the United States that the law should not be followed because she has decided that her life is at such great risk while her daughter 
has a film crew around filming her. And of course, editing this all into little clips that they splice in the chaos outside with Nancy being calm and cool and collected. It's edited perfectly. Now, is this an accurate portrayal of the day's events? Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's all put together so that we can see only the important parts. And the audience understands that. They would never demand more. This is perfect. This is exactly what we wanted. And of course, they don't understand. They really genuinely don't understand that Donald Trump had already made it possible for those National Guard troops to be called in. Nancy Pelosi is calling in troops she had already declined to use. The commander in chief, the president of the United States of America, had already had those troops approved days before for his own very violent insurrection. He was simultaneously instigating an insurrection and planning an insurrection so that they could overthrow the government, stop the counting of electoral votes and destroy the peaceful transition of power. He was doing all that, but also approving the National Guard to be there to protect the Capitol against the insurrection he was planning. And Donald Trump is so cunning that this plan just threw off Nancy and Muriel Bowser. They were so confused by Donald Trump's trickery that they declined to bring those National Guard troops in, their reasoning being that they thought it would be bad optics. So Donald Trump is staging an insurrection. His number one concern is security, so he makes it possible for the National Guard to be there. Nancy Pelosi declines that offer and then calls it in later on video to make herself look presidential after already proving to the world and saying to the world that her number one concern was optics. We've gotten a very bad report about the condition of, of the um, house floor with defecation and all that kind of thing as well. I don't think that that's hard to clean up, but I do think it is uh, more from a security standpoint of making sure that everybody is out of the building and how long will that take? There's defecation on the House floor, you know, because that's what Trump people do. They just go into the Capitol and spread their feces around. It couldn't have been anybody but Trump people. And you know that because Trump people are always the bad ones. Now, it's true that throughout the summer of love in 2020, when Democrats were directing their domestic terrorism arm known as BLM Antifa to attack police officers and loot stores. And in the midst of all that, you might remember at the federal courthouse in Portland, they attacked that courthouse for over a hundred consecutive nights. And one of the things they were doing was bagging up their own feces and throwing it at the federal officers. But yeah, it's Trump supporters with the problem. I just got off with the vice president. And I got off with the vice president-elect. So I'll tell okay. But what we left the conversation with, because he said he had the impression from Mitch that Mitch wants to get everybody back to do it there. Yes. I said that what we're getting a counterpoint that is we could take time uh, to clean up the poo-poo that they're making all over the, literally and figuratively in the Capitol, and that 
uh, it may take days to get back. They're cleaning up the poo-poo. It may take days to get back, she said, as Ilhan Omar just texts away on her phone across the room. Good news. Thank you very much, Mr. Vice President. So that's it. That's the never before seen footage that proves Donald Trump incited a riot, incited an insurrection, attempted to overthrow the government and prevent the peaceful transfer of power. And is CNN going to air her daughter's documentary? Of course they are. The most amazing thing about this to me is how excited all of the Blue Anon verified Twitter users who are extremely into politics and extremely into Twitter actually are about this video because they think it makes Nancy Pelosi look heroic. This is a public admission that Donald Trump actually did approve those troops in advance and that they were needed. It is part of the public record that that happened and that Nancy Pelosi and Muriel Bowser declined the support. Now, the other big news from the committee yesterday was that they voted unanimously to subpoena Donald Trump's testimony to the committee. Now, the committee isn't illegitimate. It wasn't formed in a way that follows Congress's rules. The minority leader is supposed to have an opportunity to present a list of members who can be chosen by the majority leader to be on that committee from the Republican Party. That was disallowed. Nancy Pelosi appointed Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger instead because they would go along with the J6 agenda as planned. So the committee is illegitimate from the get go, and they don't really have the power to enforce their subpoenas. But nonetheless, New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman, who is the go to for everything Trump and is basically wrong about everything all the time, reports that Donald Trump is happy to sit down with the committee. This is Business Insider. Former President Donald Trump has told aides he might comply with a subpoena to testify before the January 6th committee as long as he can do so live. According to Haberman, Trump has told aides he's not opposed to the idea of testifying before the committee as long as it's on his terms. The information was a contribution by Haberman to the Times' live coverage of Thursday's committee hearing. Some of his aides appear not to be enthusiastic about the idea. He should not. A Trump advisor bluntly told the Daily Beast, and that could be anybody. Anonymous sources once again. Oh, Donald Trump definitely shouldn't do it. Oh, it's only going to end up bad for Donald Trump. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's very dumb. And they think they're going to catch him in some sort of perjury trap. He's going to go in and because he's so guilty and he's such a liar, he's going to lie throughout his entire testimony and they're just going to catch him over and over and over again. And then finally, They'll have him. They're 
Silver Bullet will finally materialize. The walls are closing in again. He is required to answer for his actions. Representative Benny Thompson, a Mississippi Democrat who chairs the committee, said in announcing the subpoena at Thursday's hearing. In a Truth Social post on Thursday, Donald Trump described the committee as a giant scam presided over by a group of radical left losers and two failed Republicans. That is an absolutely accurate description of the January 6th committee. Donald Trump also published a letter in response to all of this addressed to Chairman Benny Thompson. Dear Chairman Thompson, and this is in all capital letters, the presidential election of 2020 was rigged and stolen. The same group of radical left Democrats who utilized their majority position in Congress to create the fiction of Russia, 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 impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the $48 million Mueller report, which ended in no collusion, Ukraine, 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 the atrocious and illegal spying on my campaign, and so much more are the people who created this committee of highly partisan political hacks and thugs whose sole function is to destroy the lives of many hardworking American patriots whose records in life have been unblemished until this point of attempted ruination. The double standard of the unselects between what has taken place on the right and what has taken place with the radical left lawless groups such as Antifa, Black Lives Matter and others is startling and will never be acceptable even to those who will be writing the history of what you have done to America. This memo is being written to express our anger, disappointment, and complaint that with all of the hundreds of millions of dollars spent on what many consider to be a charade and witch hunt, and despite strong and powerful requests, you have not spent even a short moment on examining the massive election fraud that took place during the 2020 presidential election, and have targeted only those who were, as concerned American citizens, protesting the fraud itself. Those who committed the fraud, thereby having created the crime of the century, go unblemished and untouched. But those who fought the crime have suffered a fate that was unthinkable just a short time ago. We have a two-tier system of justice in the United States that cannot be allowed to continue. A majority of people in our country say that the presidential election of 2020 was determinatively dishonest, including the fact that many legislatures were overridden by local and state politicians and judges on vital regulations and requirements, which is totally illegal and unconstitutional. In February 2021, Time magazine broke the story of the shadow campaign that was launched to rig the 2020 presidential election. And that's the Molly Ball piece I've discussed many times. The authors write, To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes. You did not ask one question about any of this. Since 1888, no incumbent president has gained votes and lost reelection. I received many millions more votes in 2020 than I did in 2016. Unheard of in our political history. When you win Ohio, Florida, and Iowa, which I did in a landslide, no president has lost the general election since 1960. We swept all four bellwether states, Iowa, Florida, Ohio, and North Carolina, that have correctly predicted election winners since 1896. 
I won 18 of the 19 bellwether counties. My coattails secured the victories of 27 out of 27 toss up house races. And the Democrats did not flip a single state legislature. Yet somehow Biden beat Obama with the black population in select swing state cities, but nowhere else. It is all not possible or very likely, but should have been a major subject of your committee's work because it was the election result that brought this record-breaking crowd to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. A large percentage of American citizens, including almost the entire Republican Party, feel that the election was rigged and stolen because they have seen the determinative evidence, some of which is attached to this letter. No work was done by the committee on election fraud. We and a huge portion of the American people simply asked that it be part of your committee's work. It wasn't. In addition, the unselect committee has willfully ignored the fact that days before January 6th, 2021, I recommended and authorized thousands of troops to be deployed to ensure there was peace, safety and security at the Capitol and throughout Washington, D.C. on January 6th, because I knew just based on instinct and what I was hearing that the crowd coming to listen to my speech and various others would be a very big one, far bigger than anyone thought possible. As it turns out, it was indeed one of the largest crowds I have ever spoken before, a very wide swath stretching all the way back to the Washington Monument. The massive size of this crowd and its meaning have never been a subject of your committee, nor has it been discussed by the fake news media that absolutely refuses to acknowledge in any way, shape or form the magnitude of what was taking place. In fact, for such a historic event, there are very few pictures that accurately show the event or how many people were really there. Incredibly, it seems that pictures showing the size of the event were perhaps canceled, scrubbed, deleted, or in any event, not available. But we still have some, as attached. The Department of Defense timeline shows that National Guard troops could have easily been present at the Capitol before January 6th, and that I fully authorized this recommendation and request. Following my authorization, the Department of Defense was surprised to receive a wholesale refusal in writing from D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and the Capitol Police, who do not report to me, but report to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. The law requires their authorization before any troop deployment could be utilized in Washington, D.C. Why the failure to act or use this ready force? Had even a small percentage of National Guard or fencing been there, there would have been no problem. January 6th would have just been another date. I did my job long ahead of schedule. Some people call it good instinct, but the troops were ready to go. Nancy Pelosi and Muriel Bowser didn't do their job. They didn't like the look of soldiers. And sadly, your committee refuses to say anything about it, because if they did, it would be clear that I did everything correctly and that this is not what the committee wants to see. You stated openly that Nancy Pelosi is off limits. There will be no discussions on this subject. Yet she and the mayor were responsible for this very bad decision not to bring in the troops. The troops were ready to go and you refused to even discuss the subject. Why? Despite very poor television ratings, the unselect committee has perpetuated a show trial, the likes of which this country has never seen before. There is no due process, no cross-examination, no real Republican members, and no legitimacy since you do not talk about election fraud or not calling up the troops. It is a witch hunt of the highest level, a continuation of what has been going on for years. You have not gone after the people that created the fraud, but rather great American patriots who questioned it, as is their constitutional right. 
These people have had their lives ruined as your committee sits back and basks in the glow. The people of this country will not stand for unequal justice under the law or liberty and justice for some. Election day is coming. We demand answers on the crime of the century. And that's the letter. Then he attaches some pictures of the crowd and of the event. And then he runs through the evidence of election fraud in each of the states. I'll just do Arizona. Maricopa County accepted at least 20,000 mail-in ballots after Election Day 2020, including 18,000 on November 4th, 2020, picked up from the U.S. Postal Service, more than the entire election margin of 10,457. So that's double the margin already completely illegal votes. It doesn't matter if those are real votes. They are illegal. There are rules. Those rules must be followed. You don't get to count illegal votes just because you have been convinced that the most important thing in the world is to count every single vote, no matter what. That is not the standard. The standard is that the vote is a legal one as written by law. A study of early ballot envelope signatures identified 229,430 mismatched signatures in Maricopa County. Officials only reported 25,000 mismatches or 1.3%. So that is nine times the reported amount, 229,430 mismatched signatures. None of those votes should have been counted. They removed the standard for signature matching. The Arizona Forensic Audit of Maricopa County identified numerous anomalies, fraud, and election law violations that are determinative, including 17,322 duplicate absentee ballot envelopes, which surged after the election. Between November 4th and November 9th, scores of mail-in ballot duplicates emerged. 96% of the ballots that came in on two of these days were duplicates. Auditors discovered evidence that millions of files of general election data and security logs were deleted with purges taking place on critical days, including the day before the audit began on February 2nd, 2021. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors admitted they purged the system and moved election data after they received a subpoena. And they admitted that in testimony before Congress. It's not like they just accidentally admitted it to a journalist. They admitted it in their sworn testimony. Another analysis by Dr. Shiva Ayadurai in Pima County found significant anomalies with mail-in ballots in precincts with anomalous high turnout over 92%. Mail-in ballots started flipping from 6% Republican for Biden to over 40% of Republicans voting for Biden, which is highly suspect. Two precincts in Pima had over 100% turnout for mail-in ballots, which is impossible. And 40 precincts had over 97% returned. The audit discovered numerous state election laws were broken in the 2020 presidential election, and he lists the parts of the code that were broken. 2,500 duplicated ballots created from a damaged ballot had no serial numbers, a violation of ARS 16621. 1,919 mail-in ballot envelopes were missing signatures, a violation. Maricopa County reported 1,455 no signatures on mail-in ballot envelopes. To this day, Maricopa County has never provided chain of custody documents for all election equipment and ballots. 
at least 40,000 ballots violated chain of custody requirements in Maricopa County. And the other states have variations of the same tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots. And it's always nice to mention this part of Pennsylvania as Trump does in this letter. In Pennsylvania, as of February 2021, there were 121,240 more votes than voters. By law, Pennsylvania cannot certify an election with this type of discrepancy. But they did anyway because they didn't care. And this was known well before January 6th. Everyone just pretended it couldn't possibly be true. Something like that could never happen and would never happen. These people are so honest. They're telling us that it didn't happen. Therefore, it didn't. Except it did. And there's no way Joe Biden won Pennsylvania. There's no way Joe Biden won any of these states and a whole bunch more states as well. Because the evidence of election fraud is, in fact, overwhelming and everywhere. In his entry about Wisconsin, he wrote, In a powerful ruling by the Wisconsin Supreme Court, drop boxes that were used in the 2020 election were found to be illegal. In a concurring opinion, justices stated, If elections are conducted outside of the law, the people have not conferred their consent on the government. Such elections are unlawful, and their results are illegitimate. And yeah, that's real. The Wisconsin Supreme Court said their 2020 election was illegitimate. That is what they're describing. What happened in the 2020 election? So no, it's not a conspiracy. It's not extreme and it's not hyperbolic for me to continue calling Joe Biden an illegitimate president. He is an illegitimate president. The people have not conferred their consent on this government. The government is illegitimate. Trump concludes, we've only covered five swing states. This does not pertain to the rest of the country. For example, what is being done about the cash for votes scheme in Nevada, where 15 out of 17 counties had more votes than voters? Is the committee going to report on the million dollars the FBI wanted to pay Christopher Steele as an incentive to prove the dossier allegations and get Trump? Or is it going to get to the bottom of the fact that my campaign was blatantly spied on by the Democrats, even while I was in the Oval Office, in what for anyone else would be one of the biggest scandals in political history? It was also recently reported that the FBI interfered in the 2020 presidential election by telling Facebook and the media not to reveal anything about Hunter Biden's laptop. The FBI said it was Russian disinformation, but knew that it wasn't. It was a well-guarded secret that only one newspaper had the courage to report. Eight in 10 Americans believe this unprecedented collusion impacted the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. In addition, True the Vote, the nation's leading voter rights organization, collected over four million minutes of ballot drop box video showing ballot stuffing at a level not seen before. This is also supported by highly accurate cell phone data that tracked the same individuals going to as many as 28 different locations in one day to do this. All in all, millions of ballots were stuffed. Based on their research, True the Vote estimates that as many as 7% of all mail-in ballots cast could have been ineligible. Approximately 4.8 million votes, an election-changing number many times over. So that's nearly 5 million votes right there, and that's only one aspect of the election fraud. 
Also, why haven't you spoken with the U.S. Postal Service Inspector General and the U.S. Election Assistance Commission about the 1.1 mail-in ballots that they admit were deemed undeliverable? 560,814 rejected and 14.7 million still, quote, unable to be tracked as the Public Interest Legal Foundation uncovered. Where are they? To this day, new evidence is emerging as patriots around the country are uncovering systemic problems within their voter rolls. Furthermore, Republican counties across the nation from Texas to Michigan, Arizona to Wisconsin and more have voted to decertify and reject the 2020 election. The most recent Rasmussen poll on the issue found a staggering 55% think cheating likely affected the outcome, including 53% of independents and 35% of Democrats, revealing this issue is not going away. There are many other facts and discrepancies that we are not presenting at this time due to time constraints, but that are also election determinative. At your request, I will present these additional numbers to you, but everything already presented would change the final election result many times over. And all of that, my friends, is exactly true. So the Democrats will have their special day, their big TV show finale. They've all gone crazy talking about how Nancy Pelosi is the real president. Nancy Pelosi is a hero. Doesn't matter that she is one of the most corrupt public officials in American history whose father was a mafia linked communist and Democrat politician who used his connections to get Nancy Pelosi's brother acquitted on rape charges of an 11 year old and a 15 year old gang rape charges where all of the rest of the people with him went down. But her brother was acquitted that Nancy Pelosi that's the new hero of the country. And I imagine that they think this will work for them. They're going to gin up all sorts of anger that's just going to push Democrats out to the polls, except they know that's not true and they know that's not happening. This is Politico from this morning. House Democrats retrench as GOP money floods the map. GOP Representative Mike Garcia holds one of the House Republicans most vulnerable districts, but Democrats have barely spent a dime on TV to take him down. The decision, according to those involved, was driven by a relative lack of resources as Republicans biggest house super PAC floods the election with hundreds of millions of dollars. Their Democratic counterparts have lagged far behind. Some members of the California Democratic delegation were alarmed by the decision to leave Garcia's district untouched, and they have urged their party's campaign arm in recent weeks not to abandon a seat that President Joe Biden won by double digits. Isn't that amazing? A district just outside Los Angeles, California, Mike Garcia, a Republican, won, and Joe Biden also won by double digits. You got it? Makes total sense. Similar pleas are coming from Texas, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere, as frustrated Democrats bemoan that their party's outside groups are unable, or some say privately unwilling, to devote precious funds toward what they see as winnable seats. The result is a shrinking battlefield for Democrats that has seen leadership and rank and file members alike pressuring the rest of their party, including Biden, to pony up more support in a bid to save the House majority. The anxiety is especially acute in southern Arizona, where retiring Democratic rep Ann Kirkpatrick has been lobbying her party to help Kirsten Angle, the Democratic nominee vying to replace her. And I'm going to skip around a bit in the interest of time. 
House Democrats panic has escalated this month as GOP outside groups continue to smash fundraising records. Despite high candidate fundraising, Democrats have been unable to respond with the same volume of money, and the party has struggled to free up the resources to attack potentially endangered Republican incumbents, a crucial part of their strategy, since they need to offset expected losses in more conservative Democrat held districts. So the Democrats are basically on the retreat. They're not getting the job done anywhere. And now they're trying to focus on the seats that they thought they definitely had and are still going to lose. There are smart strategists on the Republican side thinking that Republicans might sweep New York and might conquer New England, which should give you some indication of the degree to which Republicans believe they have the election fraud problem under control. Now, I don't know if that's true, but this is all good news, and it is information from empirical reality that the Democrats know they're in desperate trouble. And part of that is because the election fraud system is becoming exposed and it is falling apart. This is from the National Pulse today. Election integrity experts identify privacy flaw affecting all ICP, ICE, Dominion voting systems across 21 states. And no, it won't be patched before the midterms. And you can go to the article if you like. I'm going to start about halfway down. How does this flaw work? The technical details are as follows. When a ballot is cast on a Dominion ICP or ICE scanner, it is assigned a random looking record ID number, which uniquely identifies each ballot within a batch from a particular machine. After voting is complete, data from the scanner gets loaded into a central computer called an election management system. That's EMS. The EMS shuffles the ballots to mask the order in which they were cast, but each ballot is still labeled with the original record ID. Unfortunately, the Dominion ICP and ICE scanner software is flawed such that ballot record IDs are assigned in a predictable manner. This allows anyone to unshuffle the ballot images or cast vote records and learn the order in which they were cast. They conclude all versions of the Dominion ICP and ICE for which we have located public ballot level data appear to be vulnerable to DVS order, including versions that have been certified by the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. The problem is specific to the ICP and ICE. ImageCast Central Scanners and ImageCast XDREs do not appear to suffer from the flaw. As a fix, researchers suggest sanitizing ballot level data before publishing it makes the data just as safe to release as if the DVS order vulnerability did not exist. However, even if jurisdictions sanitize the data they make public, or if they do not publish any ballot level data, the flaw still carries risks. For instance, Unsanitized data could be stolen in a data breach or accessed by malicious insiders who could exploit the flaw to learn how people voted. And as you know, when these flaws in the system exist and are just passed over by the Elections Assistance Commission and verifying agencies, that usually means that those flaws are intentional as part of the system. They exist so that the people who run our elections can know how you voted because this helps them affect future elections. Will it affect the midterms? Yes, the flaw does have the potential to affect the midterm elections, according to Halderman and his team. 
Completely mitigating these risks will require Dominion to change the ICP and ICE firmware to use a secure method of generating ballot IDs. The U.S. Election Assistance Commission has informed us that Dominion plans to correct the flaw in future firmware versions. However, our understanding is that no patches will be available until after the November election, at least for federally certified versions of Dominion systems. Election officials should contact Dominion for further information and to inquire as to patch availability. So you got that? A massive flaw exists. Everyone knows it. No one cares. There's nothing to see here. We'll fix it later. That's how responsible we are. We just can't fix it now because we've already planned on using it. But that's not the only election fraud problem that came up today. How about this from the mainstream news outlet Politico? The voting machine hacking threat you probably haven't heard about. There's a largely overlooked hacking target that could help those who want to sow doubt about vote tallies in the November midterms. Cellular modems that transmit unofficial election night results. The modems, which send vote data from precincts to central offices using cell phone networks, help election officials satisfy the public's demand for rapid results. But putting any networking connection on an election system opens up new ways to attack it that don't require physical access to machines and security experts say the risks aren't worth the rewards. Wow. We haven't heard that at all. There are actually risks to having this system in place. But why does this system make sense according to Politico? To help election officials satisfy the public's demand for rapid results. Well, we used to count all the ballots by hand in small precincts that could handle it. And then they would just submit their results. And we always got the winner on election night. But no worries. Now we have a much more efficient system that doesn't give us the winner on election night, but it's in place in order to satisfy the public's demand for results on election night. You got it. Does that all make sense yet? The systems are all there for your benefit and not for anyone else's. You're counting on a bunch of infrastructure to deliver data back and forth, and it's well within the capabilities of nation state hackers to break into that infrastructure, said Dan Wallach, a Rice University computer science professor who has repeatedly exposed flaws in election equipment. While tampering with official results won't actually corrupt an election's outcome, it could fuel misinformation about both the accuracy of the vote tally and the integrity of the process. That's a particular concern since the 2020 election in which then President Donald Trump seized on large discrepancies between early returns and final vote counts to falsely allege widespread fraud. And this Politico writer ignores either from ignorance or complicity that getting information about the early vote counts can actually affect the outcome of the election when the system is designed to produce the necessary number of ballots to get the result they have planned. Knowing exactly what the early ballot counts are running in real time helps them quite a bit. It is actually one of the most helpful things when stealing elections. At least six states, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Massachusetts, Michigan, and Minnesota, use modems to transmit results in a combined 36 counties, according to a Politico survey. Rhode Island uses them statewide, and Washington, D.C. uses them citywide. 
Wisconsin, which the nonprofit election integrity group verified voting identified as using modem equipped devices, did not respond to inquiries about whether its counties use the feature. While there have been no reports of modems being hacked in previous elections, the vulnerabilities are well known and hackers have the tools to exploit them. And remember, just a year and a half ago, Politico was calling all of this a conspiracy theory. In the current hyperpolarized atmosphere, modems and voting machines are now not only a potential target for cyber attacks, but perhaps more importantly, information operations seeking to cast doubt on the legitimacy of U.S. elections, said David Levine, a former election director for Ada County, Idaho. He's now a fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy, working on election integrity issues. Oh, another nonpartisan group. Except the Alliance for Securing Democracy is independently funded by private individuals and small family foundations. Significant financial supporters for 2021 included the left of center, Bernard and Ann Spitzer Charitable Trust and Craig Newmark Philanthropies, the charitable network created by Craigslist founder Craig Newmark. Other major left-leaning supporters include the Klarman Family Foundation, Sandler Foundation, and the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. So Politico's expert is relaying the position of some of the country's wealthiest communist supporters. The mere existence of these modem vulnerabilities could make it easier for Trump allies to disrupt the midterm elections and future contests with more unfounded hacking claims, say some former election officials. Isn't that great? They just tell you how easily the system can be hacked and how it can be manipulated. And then they say that the greatest threat is people realizing the thing they've just said. But none of it's a big deal because the former election director says so on behalf of families who pay to rig elections. And in the interest of time, I'm going to jump down to the bottom here. Officials also cited encryption as a way to shield vote data from tampering in transit. But encryption isn't foolproof either. In 2007, researchers discovered that voting vendor Heart InterCivic had misconfigured its modems encryption so that the modems failed to verify their connections. Whoops. There's also a chance that hackers could use a modem connection as a foothold for planting malware on the equipment that regional offices use to tally the final counts. But it's unlikely this would compromise official results because of two key safeguards, paper ballots and post-election audits that double check the tallies of those ballots. That said, some states don't require audits and some Americans still vote on paperless electronic voting machines. So you see, they can actually access the systems and they can plant malware on them that could affect the results, but don't worry about it because that's what we have paper ballots for. Except the paper ballots already contain the flawed result and the audits don't actually audit anything. They take a sample batch and make sure that like 50 ballots were okay. And they know what batches are good. It is unbelievable. But they also know that the child brains who read Politico and deny election fraud don't know any of this. They think that audits mean a person goes in there and counts each and every vote and makes sure that that vote is legal and from a real citizen. But that's not what they do. They don't do that. They never do that. The only audit they had that did that 
was in Arizona, where they found hundreds of thousands of illegal votes, hundreds of thousands. And with all the talking they do about our democracy and how important it is to have the integrity of our elections, Politico satisfies its readers by saying this is unlikely because of two key things that we don't do in many places. And where are those many places? Well, one of them is in Los Angeles, where I voted in 2020 without a paper ballot. I voted on a machine. The machine produced a paper, and then I had to feed that paper into another machine, and the machine rejected that paper, so then I had to feed it into a different machine. But I guess that's okay, right? Because they did an audit. And don't worry, just trust them. Sure, Los Angeles is one of the places where they commit more election fraud than anywhere else in the country, but it's unlikely that this sort of thing changed the outcome or any of the official results. Many security experts are optimistic that modems will eventually disappear as part of a broader push to protect elections. The direction that we are going is very encouraging, Blaze said. Removing modems is part of that trend. Oh, so it's going to be safer once we remove the modems, but it's also totally safe now? Got it. There have been a few moves already. In 2018, Harris County, Texas, one of the most fraudulent places in the country, ditched the modems that Wallach and his colleagues had discovered were insecure more than a decade earlier. Michigan is phasing out modems in the five counties that still use them. And Santa Rosa County, Florida, won't use its modems to transmit results in November after doing so in seven elections since 2018. We have a lot of people that are just concerned, said election supervisor Tappy Villane. But none of the other election offices that discussed their modems with Politico said they saw a reason for change. Eventually, some of the officials sticking by modems will have to abandon them. Last year, the U.S. Election Assistance Commission added a ban on modems to a set of voluntary guidelines that many states use as the basis for their voting system testing program. It's voluntary. You don't actually have to follow along with the guidelines. It's voluntary. It will take years, however, for new equipment to be certified to the updated guidelines. And even then, some states may choose not to incorporate the modem ban into their own regulations. So according to Politico, absolutely nothing to see here. Safe and secure elections. If you deny the safety and security of elections, you are a domestic terrorist. There's no evidence. These are all baseless claims. Sure, it can happen, but it's unlikely. And since people have said it didn't happen, well, we have to believe them. They are the experts and they would never lie. And yeah, it's all important, but not important enough to check, because if you checked, then you would find out that the election was stolen. So that's why no one is allowed to check. And honestly, to me, all of this is magnificent. It is all unfolding at the most perfect time. And you know what they're setting up. You know what they're going to do. They are going to see the massive red wave, wipe them all out of office, and then they will begin talking about how the elections were stolen. And they think that's going to make us very, very mad because these people actually believe this is all about Donald Trump and it's all about Republicans winning. All of us are going to turn to them and say, hey, go right ahead. 
Count all of the votes in front of everybody. We welcome you to do it. Go ahead and audit the elections in front of absolutely everyone. Make sure that every vote is legal. Dot your last I, cross your last T. Check every single ID and then find out if that person is an American citizen. Find out if they voted in two places. Find out if they're dead. Find out if they actually have a home or if it's just 3,000 votes being cast from an empty lot. As multiple canvases have shown. Go ahead and do it all. We won't even call you conspiracy theorists. We will be more than happy to allow the election to be audited as thoroughly as required. But who's not going to do that? Well, Democrats aren't. They're not going to go along with that because their election fraud apparatus will fall apart. They are going to claim it, though. They are going to claim it because if they don't claim that, then everybody's going to know that they just got absolutely wiped out to the point where everyone will understand they didn't win 2020 either. But sure, Twitter, the walls are closing in again on Donald Trump. I'll be back Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!